Bog? Bog, bog. Bog! A few weeks back, I was in Ireland, looking for Rafferty's. My people. My roots. The search was unsuccessful. I think it's safe to assume they were all over here looking for me at the time. Seems like the only logical explanation. Rafferty's crossing in the night. Still, the Ireland adventure was good times. I drove across the country and back, saw the rolling hills, the stunning views, and oh god, slow down, there's a sheep in the road. <laughs> right. I also saw the horribly dangerous livestock and shoulderless back roads. Or, as they are known in Ireland, roads. While Dublin gets all the attention over on the east coast of Ireland, for me, all the highlights of the trip were on the west side. That's where the fun's at. Whether it was walking along the beach in the Ockhill Sound, or looking out into the Atlantic from on top of a mountain, or watching the Oh God, is that a dead sheep in the road? It was a dead sheep in the road. Stupid sheep. The highlight of the west side was the Derry Gimla Bog, though. Derry who in the bog now? The Derry Gimla Bog is an expanse of wet, spongy ground with soil composed of decayed vegetable matter. A bog, if you will on the west coast of Ireland, outside the town of Clifton. It's nondescript, as most bogs tend to be. I don't think there's even a sign marking it. And yet it's the site of two pretty historic events of the early 20th century. Not bad for a bog. The dirt road leading to the bog is about a mile long, and yes, it is full of sheep. Free-roaming, happy, spray-painted sheep. Farmers will mark their sheep with spray paint and just let them walk around wherever until it's time to be sheared, which sounds like a pretty decent trade-off for having your wool spray-painted. At the end of the road, you see the first sign of historical things, a... a giant concrete egg. Now, I come from a town known for giant concrete eggs, so seeing this was no surprise to me. It was like coming home. Sure, it was only ten feet tall, but I don't discriminate. I'm not an eggist. This egg commemorates the first transatlantic flight, completed in 1919 by John Alcock and Arthur Witten Brown. Alcock and Brown took off from St. John's, Newfoundland, and landed 16 hours later in Derry Gimla Bog, Ireland. Okay, landing might be putting it charitably. They crashed. Turns out, Boggs? Not a great place to land a plane. I know this probably seems obvious even to you non-pilots out there. Are there any non-pilots even reading this? But this was 1919, remember. The internet hadn't been invented yet. How did anyone know anything, really? Despite the crash landing, Alcock and Brown were fine. Bogs are soft, which, while terrible for landing planes, is actually quite excellent for crash landing planes. The two men were greeted as heroes upon arrival. They had just flown across the Atlantic Ocean, and they brought the mail, and the inaugural issue of SkyMall. Alcock and Brown were knighted a few days later, and, as is Irish tradition, a giant egg was constructed in their honor. It was placed a few hundred yards from the crash site, on more stable ground. Because, you know, bog. Now to the right of the giant egg are what appear to be the ruins of an old building. There isn't much left, just the concrete foundation and some stone stairs, but it's clear whatever it was must have been very large, and whoever built it was very stupid, because they built it in the middle of a goddamn bog. The very stupid man in question was radio pioneer Guillermo Marconi, and what he built was the first transatlantic wireless telegraph station. Oh, that actually sounds pretty awesome. I'm sorry I called you stupid, googly. 
Can I call you Googly? What's that? You're dead? Okay, Googly it is. Back in the late 1800s, the only game in town for faster-than-boat transatlantic communication was via telegram over transatlantic cable. It was quick, but expensive. Marconi wanted to undercut the market by cutting the wire. For years, Marconi had been expanding the range of his wireless communication network in Europe. By 1897, he had gotten up to 34 miles. By the time Clifton Station was completed in 1907, it had a range of over 2,000 miles. Derry Gimla what? It took two years to build the station. It was not easy work. Derry Gimla Bog is pretty remote even today. Hell, apart from Dublin, Ireland itself is pretty remote. Why would Marconi build his largest, most powerful wireless station in the middle of a bog in the ass end of Ireland in 1905? Well, there were a couple reasons. One, it was west. Every mile farther west Marconi could build the station was one mile less the radio waves had to travel. Two, the land was cheap. See also, bog. Three, it had a built-in supply of fuel. This last point is kind of brilliant. Not only was there an abundant supply of water in Lake Marconi for the hundreds of men the station would employ, but there was practically an unlimited supply of fuel for the station's generators in the form of turf. Turf? Yeah, you know, turf. It's like decomposing organic matter that burns real good-like. Enough to power giant turbines, which in turn power the telegraphic equipment to transmit dashes and dots across the Atlantic. Maybe not efficient use of electricity by today's standards, but again, the internet hadn't been invented yet. Marconi's Clifton Station remained in operation until 1925. It was damaged during the Irish Civil War, and a few years after that, wireless technology had improved enough to send signals further past the bog. Past the bog? No! Bypassing the station. Point is, even though the quest for Rafferty routes was unsuccessful, it was a success in other ways. Sure, the rolling hills, sheer cliff, and sheep in the road were nice, but it took digging into the turf to really appreciate the homeland. <laughs>